Welcome, 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 welcome. Episode, officially episode one of the Given Liam podcast. Thanks for joining me. I'm Liam, as you probably know. <laughs> this episode I'm really excited about. Lydia Williams is joining the show. For those of you who don't know Lydia, she has been the Matilda's goalkeeper for, I think, 16 years now. Uh, 97 caps for the Matildas. So, you know, one of the few people who, who's going to likely uh, bring up that, that 100 cap figure. But look, before we get into any of that, got to do some shout outs, got to do some thank yous. Cover Podcast Network. I'm wearing the shirt today. It's backwards, but whatever. Cover Podcast Network. They are the people who make all of this happen. So if you can, head across to thecover.com.au, subscribe to their newsletter, have a look at the columns, have a look at some of the podcasts on there. Uh, There's always some good stuff. Shouts to the Daily Dribble guys. Shouts to Tobias Canning with his NRL NRL column. I do a column, although I haven't been super active recently. My column is going to change from a rugby column more to a pop culture column, so... Probably look at uh, you know things like the the genius documentary Kanye's new doco, um, you know anything that kind of captures my attention. Um, I hate to admit I do watch a lot, a lot of TV and a lot of documentaries, so uh, that's one thing to do there. The other thing I want you to do is at give them Liam on Instagram. That's where all the information for this podcast clips. Uh, social graphics, whatever, that's all going to be on there. So after round one of Super Rugby, we did pick an Australian team of the week and it was a bit different to the team I thought I would pick. I have to admit, you know, I didn't factor Jock Campbell in at all to the red side. So to see him uh, play as well as he did in, in the number 15 jumper, you know, maybe we're talking about him uh, playing fullback for the Wallabies and and not and not Kurtley Beal or or uh, Tom Banks. Yeah, you heard it here first. Uh, he was he was fantastic and and I think the 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 real flow on there is you know Jordan Pattaya. There was all that chat about him moving to fullback and I don't see how you can do that now. I really I really don't. So anyway, head there, have a look at that team. Tell us what you think. Follow us, subscribe, and yeah. So without further ado, without any more uh, preamble, ramble, whatever, here is my conversation with Lydia Williams. Lydia Williams, thank you so much for joining the show. I guess at the top of the show, how are you doing? Oh, good. I mean, yeah, I'm happy to be here. I'm a little bit cold, but um, that's about it. <laughs> how, how is life in London? You know, obviously the cold, but also, you know, it's a little bit, um, a little bit out of control with all the all the COVID stuff and all that. So, how's you know been navigating that? Yeah, it's been a bit crazy. Obviously, the first, um, you know, last year when we first got here, it was in like major lockdown. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was interesting and then they kind of went out of it and then went right back into it. Um, so yeah, only this year really, or like a little bit of last year were, you know, everything be coming back open again and markets and, um, concerts and everything. So it's still like getting back to a little bit of normal, um, life, but yeah, got a little bit to go. And how, how has that impacted your training, you know, just in terms of, and in terms of the certain things you can do, you know, were you guys put into a like a high performance bubble as well? Yeah, um, you know, we were pretty, I guess, locked up, so to say. So, I mean, everyone's <laughs> like, oh, what have you been doing on the weekends or when you have days off? We're like, nothing. I can't even say hello to anyone who's random on the street because you're just, well. <laughs> um, yeah, but it got to a point where we're doing, you know, two PCRs a week, you yeah. know, lateral flows in between um, at that the height of basically what COVID was, mm. um, when now it's just, you know, as long as you can travel and fly and, and produce a negative, everyone's double vaxxed and, and boosted up. So yep. really it's kind of like you've done all you can. So <laughs> well, whatever happens, happens. And, that, and that's the hard thing, right? You know, we've all done the right thing or, or most people have done the right thing. They've got, got the double vax and got the boost boosters. And 
as you say, what what will happen will happen because that's all we can really do to arm ourselves at this point. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's it. Like, it's you followed all the rules, you did everything right. So, really, it's kind of just like, yeah, you can't do anything more. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, when you when you got to London, you mentioned you were straight into a you know straight into a bubble into lockdown. Was that hard? You know, obviously being from Australia and and spending you know most of your life in Australia to get get to London where not only are you away from your family but you're also then isolated from you know most of your teammates most of the time yeah I think the hardest part about it was actually not doing anything in Australia yeah so everyone everyone else was you know doing (laughs) stuff but we were like post-season trying to stay fit when are we gonna go um and at that time it was actually really hard to to leave Australia you had to get you know the government's permission and produce all these files so but then you couldn't go to the embassies. So you're doing everything <laughs> via email and like calls and everything yeah. like that. So that was probably the hardest part. Um, actually going over and being part of a team again was exciting. Yeah. Um, and that was pretty easy. But the actual like process to leave the country and to, you know, spend two months post-season before that, that was the hardest part. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. My my sister was, she she's only in New Zealand. She lives in New Zealand. But... She was in Australia when some things popped off, and then for her to get home, for her New Zealanders oh, home, that would have been hard. Such a nightmare, yeah. Um, oh, it ended up being crazy. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it's just, I guess you know, you can't really fault a- anything that the government's done in, in that regard because how could we have been prepared for something on that scale? Oh yeah, and all the you know COVID tests that you need to do and the results. Yeah. I mean, obviously you saw with all the rapids, just trying to find them. Yeah, you know when the the surge was, it's just you know as it, as it happened and hit Australia, we weren't we had no PCR tests. Nah. I mean, the funniest thing when we actually got to um, London, they had like our schedules or what's happening, and we're like, oh, there's oh we we land and we go straight into testing. And normally for <laughs> us, it's like whenever I see testing, it's you know, beat tests beat and test. jumps and all this stuff. We're like, why Why would we do in tests? And it was just PCR tests. <laughs> it's funny, you know, I, um, I, I was working with a, with a WNBL club, the, the UC Capitals, and the league brought in all these testing protocols, which was really good, commend, commending the league. Mm-hmm. But then myself, the, G, the operations manager and two of the assistant coaches had to drive all around Canberra to every pharmacy in Canberra just trying to get PCR test so that we could so, oh. so that we could do the the mandated test because all of the tests that the league had bought were stuck in quarantine in Sydney so it was just like a complete oh, nightmare. Oh no way! <laughs> yeah, and oh, then, I think that's bad. It was like it's in Australia, like you can't even use them. And yeah, then, and then you know they they went down to I think it was Ballarat, and we had just enough tests to get them there. So then the guys who travelled with the team had to do that whole thing again. While they're in Ballarat. <laughs> oh no way! Yeah. And in Ballarat too, yeah, they'll be yeah. going trying to find every little country town that has anything. <laughs> yeah. So you know that that um, I guess from from our end, like that's been a huge challenge, and I, I assume many Australian sports are are sort of in the same boat, just just trying to find the tests. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It's just difficult, but I mean, we're kind of end of that now, and yeah. a, a lot of places in Europe don't require that anymore. So yeah, yeah. it's kind of starting to ease off i think yeah oh, it's good and it, you know i've definitely heard stories and and things you know from overseas leagues where you know in, in wnbl is a really good example where they were just sort of rescheduling games but you know i've mm-hmm. seen i've seen over there that if you have you know if someone tests positive it's just that player's out for the game and and you continue so there's a you know a minimum number of players you have to have to to continue and i've definitely seen that in the the women's super league as well where you know yeah. Players are just out because they have COVID and we kind of just move on. Yeah, basically, you know, close contacts and then it's kind of like as long as you produce a, a negative like the day after, it's kind of like, okay, you're all right. <laughs> you know, in, in, your, in your, you know, 16 years, 17 years almost at, at the top of this sport, did you ever think, did you ever think you'd play in an environment like this? Oh, no way. I, I didn't even think like, you know, you think of like people talking about like Spanish flu and, yeah, you know, all yeah. that kind of stuff. You're like, yeah. oh, the hardest thing I have to do is, you know, I beat jet lag basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like the world got turned upside down and you're like, 
I need to find a PCR. I need to make sure it's 48 hours. I need to, <laughs> you know, stay, wear masks all the time. Yeah. I mean, whenever we used to travel over to, to Asia and into China and everything, obviously with, you know, SARS and, and the bird flu, mm. um, you know, they were, everyone wore a mask and we we're like, oh, you know, just... we don't need that. And then now all of a sudden, look at everyone wearing masks. <laughs> yeah, you know, even in Canberra now, you can't, you can't get into most places unless you're wearing a mask. So it's yeah. just, and and you know Canberrans have, have been really, really cool in that they've really followed every rule. You know I think we're like ninety eight point five percent double or double vaxxed and booster now. So mm-hmm. and then everyone yeah as you say everyone's just cruising around in masks. And you know in in a in an interesting way it's kind of opened up like an accessory business for for people who are just you know hand sewing masks making you know nice oh yeah you, you want the most bling and bougie mask <laughs> now. <laughs> When you see like all the designers having like Gucci and like <laughs> yeah. Louis Vuitton masks, I'm like, okay, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. getting wild. It's getting out of control. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and I guess you talked about jet lag. So, you know, how are you feeling after that that trip to India for the for the uh, Asia Women's Cup? Yeah, that that wasn't actually um, too bad in terms of you know jet lag and the travel. We obviously had a pre camp in Dubai, which. Yeah. Is not too many hours difference from um, Australia and in Europe, so that was easy. And then kind of going from Dubai to India, that was only a couple hours. So mm. having that really helped us, and not the big hit of jet lag all at once. Mm. Um, and then the trip itself, obviously, we wanted to do, you know, finish in in you know, we wanted to win the thing and, yeah. and be in the final. So obviously, that's disappointing to to go out, you know, the way we did, but. You know, at the end, you know, it was a great strike. It's like one of those games where it's just like they had, you know, one chance to put it away. And, and they did. You know, yeah. Yeah. And, it, just... and it's hard sometimes, you know, you feel like, you know, you feel like you're, you're on top and things just aren't going your way. You know, it happens in every sport. And then, as you say, it was just an, an incredible strike. They put it away and, and sometimes that's just the way it goes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. Like, it's just, there's so much anal- analyzing that goes into sport yeah. as a team. But then, obviously, like, people looking in and, um, you know, family and friends and everything. And, yeah, I think we just, it was just a day that we lost the game. Yeah. Um, you know, um, so, yeah, it's, it's just a, it's just a weird one. Just sometimes you, you're on top and, you know, the ball doesn't go in the back of the net. And then, yeah, it just, doesn't work out the way that you wanted. <laughs> but I, th- I think, you know, the, the pleasing thing is there were some really good performances. There were, you know, there were really good passages. It lo- it kind of looks like you're building. And, you know, we, we all know that, that we've got the World Cup here in Australia next year. You know, so is that mm-hmm. is that kind of the, the thought process within the group is, you know, yes, we're disappointed here, but let's continue to build on, on the good stuff and work on some of the stuff we need to work on to make sure we're peaking for that tournament. Yeah, I think, you know, going into tournaments versus games is yep. a little different. Um, yep. So it was good to see that, you know, now we have a bit more of a rotation of, you know, girls that can play and, and be a part of the squad, which, yep. you know, obviously is building the depth within the team. It, it builds, um, you know, different chemistry and different lineups and different, um, I guess, formations that we can, can play. Mm. Um, and then, you know, at the end of the day, it's, you know, 2023. So we have, you know... A, bit over a year now to kind of prepare for that, mm. you know, with different things, but to kind of get our first taste at a tournament yeah. um, quite early so we can now prepare, I think that was a good thing and good sign to kind of see where we're at and then how do we knuckle down for, you know, the next year and so. Yeah, because it, it's really interesting you mentioned the, you know, tournament versus game thing because that, that doesn't happen in a lot of a lot of sports. You know, in, mm-hmm. in rugby, for example, we get a World Cup every four years, but there's not really tournament-style play in between. And even then, you know, you're still getting, I think the minimum is six days between between games. You know, you guys were backing up, at, you know, two days, two-day turnaround. So, is, so what, is, what, are the, what are the key differences in terms of, you know, you mentioned squad rotation, but, you know, do you go into each game with a different, or in tournament, do you go into each game with a different formation in mind, depending on who you're playing or different personnel? Or is it more of an overall like, you know, here's the way that that we want to play and the things that we want to execute, and you know, maybe we make some adjustments on the fly depending on what they show us. Yeah, I think um, you know, going into tournaments, you kind of have a 
I guess an overarching like theme yep. that you have to you stick with for every game. Um, and then, you know, there'll be different, you know, I guess either formations or tactics for that exact opponent. But really kind of way that you play is that's how you play for the whole tournament. Yep. Yep. Um, whereas games, you can kind of experiment, you know, we're going to play mm. this formation. We're going to play this person here. We're going to, you know, press for the first five minutes. We're going to sit back and see what happens. Yep. So I think, you know, tournament mode, the information is... It is quite extensive, but yep. it also is very kind of clear. Yep. Um, and just, you know, kind of to the point, this is what we're doing. Um, so then the next game, oh, we'll add this because it's a different opponent, but we're still doing the basics. So, yep. yeah, it's a little bit different in terms of like the information that you get, but um, you almost have to kind of whatever you, however you last played or how you prepared, you continue that and build to the next game yeah and then hope that by the time you get to a final or get to the to the pointy end of the of the tournament you're really hitting your straps in terms of the way you're playing and you're just adjusting to what to what they're giving you effectively yeah basically yeah yep. yeah and then within that you know i think i think goalkeeping to me is like a it's like a dark art almost, <laughs> you know. It's yeah, but it's kind of, that sounds like spooky or something <laughs> <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> a little bit of voodoo yeah. there. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, like I liken it to, to playing in the front row in, in, in rugby union. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a really specialised position and there are a lot more things that happen and that, that you're in charge of and that you do than just, you know, for, for props, it's, you know, packing, packing scrums is sort of the one thing, making sure you can, mm-hmm. you can re- bring the ball back for your backs, for your for your fancy guys to to score points, and for for fans, you don't actually notice you don't notice those guys until you've got a, a bad one who can't who can't do that job. And I yeah. think in a way, goalkeeping is 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 much the same in that you know you can have these you know you can have a string of clean sheets and then you let in three goals and you're the worst person in the world. And it's like guys, I just like I just went on a five game clean sheet streak. Like give me a break. <laughs> Yep, basically, it's it's brutal. It's definitely brutal. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know who would want to do that. <laughs> and you know, um, and, and I guess you know, looking at it too, it looks like you guys have a really important role in terms of organizing the defensive unit as well. Yeah, I mean, I think the bare bones of what goalkeeping is 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 what it is, you know, 200 years ago or um, (laughs) how, you know, ages ago, which is basically saving the ball at the back back of the net. Yeah. So um, at the end of the day, that's basically what it is. And then there's all these added, you know, communication, Mm. how good your feet are, how good your distribution is, um, you know, crossing, all these kind of things that have been added onto that. Yeah. So... To have all attributes, I mean, it's pretty impossible, I think, for yeah. all athletes in whatever sport they are to have every single attribute that defines that player or mm. that position. Mm. So I think goalkeeping is the same. It's almost like what what are you good at that you know that you can kind of excel at Yep. and maybe don't have to work too hard because it's a natural talent. Yep. But then what are the things that are going to get you, you know, equal um, to someone who that talent is their strength and that's your weakness. Yep. So how do you kind of build that into your game to make you more well-rounded and, mm. you know, develop into what the team needs? Mm. And it, so is goalkeeping always something you did, you know, from a young age or, or were you a midfielder or at one point and just moved back there and fell in love or? Oh, no way. Well, when I, <laughs> I, moved, to, I moved to Canberra when I was um, 11 yep. and I was playing like, everywhere i was playing in wa so there was really no football there yeah it was afl um maybe cricket yep um and then you know i did a little bit of softball basketball yep um that was that was about it and for me it was like okay so we moved over to canberra there's no afl so that was (laughs) out of the question (laughs) so really it was basketball and, and football yeah and then i was too short for a basketballer even though you know five nine but you know i'm not gonna be a good point guard because yep. there's better ones out there. Yeah. Um, so really football was it. And, and I came late to registration. I think it was like, I think we came in April, late April. Yeah. So, so season would have been first... yeah, just underway. Yeah. 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 So I missed all the registrations and <laughs> I felt like, 
okay, well, you can join Tuggeranong, um, <laughs> <laughs> but you can be in Division 5 and yeah. play wherever, or you can be in Division 1, and the only position left is a goalkeeper. And I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, we'll rotate, because that's yeah. what I've been doing. Yeah. And then I never rotated. <laughs> I got rotated for one game yeah. and then one of the girls came back the next and they're like, okay, she's back. Like she's back in. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I thought we were like changing this up. <laughs> so yeah, that was it. It was basically like yeah. forced, forced yeah. goalkeeping. But you know, and then, you know, getting an opportunity with that AIS program, obviously some years later, um, you know, and you, you know, I, I should I imagine you look back and you reflect on that moment and go, wow, Imagine if they'd said the only position available was, you know, on the on the right wing or, or up front. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I definitely can't run fast, so that right wing would have lasted about five years and then it was gone. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, kind of funny how it all worked out. And then, um, you know, they put me in touch with a goalkeeping coach, which I was like, oh, there's an actual coach for just my position. Yeah. Um, and then it kind of developed from there and I started training at the AIS and, you know, the girls – at the time, they always had camps there. Mm. And so the coach, which was Tom Samani, he just saw me um, whilst I was training there. And obviously, the amount of camps, he was like, oh, she's improving and doing good. And mm. he just invited me into camp. And I had no idea what the Matildas were, <laughs> who, who they were. Yeah. I was like, okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> and then that was it. <laughs> but, you know, it's, football is is amazing in, in how there are, you know, there's not the sort of traditional state body run or national body run. I mean, they, they exist, those programs, those coaching programs. But there are so many amazing sort of private coaches, position-specific coaches. Um, you know, I, I've met with the guys from Coerva before who, mm-hmm. who run that, you know, um, you know, really targeted at, at little kids. But yeah. it's, it's an amazing sport in the way that it, you know, and it identifies talent at a really young age and, and really invests and tries to develop that talent um, over a long period. Yeah, definitely. I think when you come over to Europe and when you, like, even Japan, they have, like, 10-year programs that, <laughs> you know, that is like, okay, we're going to get a kid that's three, yep. develop them, and then by the time they're 13, they're into, you know, X Academy, Y Academy, um, into this national team. Mm. So... They have all these development tools and um, plans throughout, like just even club. Yeah. Like some of these kids are playing club and, you know, you're like, you're 16 and like you're already playing like that. But, yeah. you know, they've been doing that since they were four from like private coaches and that. So, mm. um, yeah, it's not it's not out of the norm here yeah. um, and seeing it. But then when you go back home, you're like, it's really cool that it's starting to pick up there and there's a lot more jobs and opportunity and, and people getting out there for it. Yeah. And I, I think that the best thing about, about it as a sport holistically is all you really need is a ball or something that resembles a ball mm-hmm. and, you know, and you can play, you know, I, I, my, my partner's Chilean. So they're obviously football mad. Uh, in oh Chile. Yeah. <laughs> And, yeah, uh, they are. <laughs> yeah. And uh, her, her family's from a, a, a town just outside of Santiago called San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's sort of like a concrete jungle almost. And we were walking through, walking through one day and there were these kids in a, you know, like a, a sort of a multi-purpose concrete court. So it had basketball hoop, but it was kind of dilapidated. And they built this out of like plumbing pipe, two goals. Oh, wow. <laughs> And they had, um, they just had like a, you know, like one of those sort of soft balls that you'd buy your, you'd buy a little kid to play with, mm-hmm. but it was sort of soccer ball sized or football football size. So I saw that and I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to go buy them a football. So I went into town and, and bought them a football, took it down to the court, gave it to them. And within 10 minutes, there was 40 kids down there because they saw the, the actual, football. actual football. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> So it was so cool just, you know, just to see that and just to see, you know, all these kids, they just loved it. They loved it so much. And, and to the point where they built themselves a, you know, a makeshift goal or two makeshift oh, goals. It's honestly crazy. Like just, I think sport just has like such a unique way of like bringing people together and especially kids. Yeah. Um, like when we were in Rio and we would drive to, to training um, and around the like favelas and everything, you'd see like, 
you know, a makeshift like court and mm. kids, Brazilian little kids playing like on futsal like mm. places. And um, even when we we're in just in India, there were, you know, along the back streets, like kids with, they put um, concrete slabs and just had a stick and playing cricket. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. So, and you, you're just like, they just find so much joy in the little things. And then you're like, you know, wonder why they're good at that. Like, yeah, they just learn it from such a young age as a passion and then kind of go on from there. And, and, you know, without any of the, you know, the, the traditional resources that, that, you know, someone like me, I, you know, I, I was sort of gifted, gifted everything um, coming through the rugby pathway, but, you know, they really fall in love with the game without, without ever, ever even having played it in a, in an organized way. Mm-hmm. Which I think is yeah. so special. Oh yeah, it's definitely like it's just you just see kids light up whenever they're like you know the Olympics. I mean, we all kind of I guess stop and wait for you know the Olympic Games and seeing all these people come on, and you're like, that's cool. And then like it just is is sports just like so amazing how it can bring people together. Yeah, and and you know even um I, I sort of made I I joked with my partner the other day like. You know, the Winter Olympics obviously on at the moment, and she walked in and I was watching it, and she's like, "Didn't the Olympics just finish?" <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. This no is- one really like. There we go. No one, no one knows about the Winter Olympics yeah. if you don't live in snow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "No, this is the cold one, cat. This is the, <laughs> <laughs> the cold Olympics." Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, but you know, yeah, sport is is, and I guess this is part of the reason I want you know wanted to do this podcast and, and reached out to you is, you know, it, it has this way of bringing people from really unique backgrounds together and, and for a singular purpose, you know, I, you know, I can't tell you how many kids I played with and guys I played with through, throughout my life who came from, you know, such unique and, and in lots of instances, really tough backgrounds and upbringings, but Mm-hmm. You know their their football, their sport was their vehicle to kind of escape all of that and and try and you know try and find a better life for themselves and 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 their families. So it's pretty cool. Oh yeah, there's the amount of people that you meet through it and like have gone through either you know tough times in in injury or in trying to even make it or pay for things. But every I think everyone has a story when it comes to sport to get to the top. There's something that they've gone through to, mm. to make them be the best at that or excel in that. So yeah, when you hear that, then you're like, Oh, that makes sense. Or that's, that's yeah. what drives you. Cause you kind of have to have a little bit of, you have to be a bit obsessive in, in mm-hmm. my view. And, and you kind of, you, you do have to be selfish and you know, you have to sacrifice a lot of stuff to, to get to the top of your game as, as you would know. Um, and often, there is a catalyst for that. Something happens, and then it's like a refocusing moment. Where you know, look at it, look at Ash Barty as an as an example. Sort oh, of step, yeah. step back and and really reflected on whether whether this is what she wanted to do. And like now, look at her; she's incredible. Oh yeah, it's it's honestly. I think everyone just has that like aha moment where mm. you know either they realize this is what they want to do, or this is what you know the different path that they want to go down, or whatever it is, but I think at that aha moment is when, you know, sport sporting people make that change to, like, I'm excelling now. Mm. And I'm going to commit myself 100% to this this mm-hmm. pursuit, even if people think it's crazy. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> Always crazy. <laughs> yeah, oh, you're missing my 21st or, you know, you're missing this holiday? I have to. <laughs> yeah, I actually don't have a choice. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't. I have to. I, like, yeah. It's not even a question anymore. <laughs> And you know, you're. I think when I look at your career, you know, you you came in at such a young age, and and really when you know the W League or A League women now was really at its infancy, and you've kind of seen you know the growth in in terms of the professionalism and 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 all of that, which you know I feel like is now culminated in in what's happening in Europe with the with the women's Super League and the and the Champions League. You know, what what are some of the what are some of the big things that you've seen? change in in sort of the you know 16 17 years that you've been involved at at the top oh gosh you know like the biggest thing is obviously like participation and and viewership and that kind of thing like that's just you know the amount of coverage just tv gives is like insane and then you know on top of that then there's social media and you know news outlets and everything like that is kind Mm. of just like it's it's everywhere now yeah yeah um 
But in terms of, I guess, you know, like um, federations and, and clubs and, and presidents, they're actually giving female footballers like a chance. Yep. Um, they're going, oh, you know what? They're actually pretty good um, with with that. Now we'll like give this or we'll build that or we'll yep. like, you know, this is your field or this is professional, you know, professional. This is the standards that we want to do. And, mm. um, you know, I think a lot more countries are now having their own like PFA or um, a players union yeah, yep. that will do the fighting for them. Mm. Um, so I think that's the exciting thing is that there's actually people that, aren't involved in the sport directly um, and aren't the athletes that are actually using their time and creating, you know, a platform to do, you know, I don't even know, legal stuff or um, professional things or just, you know, like mental health or, yep. you know, education, just yep. something that they're like, you know, we need to really kind of invest into to these women, basically. Mm. And, and, and certainly from, the, from, from my perspective, there are so many more people good people involved in, in women's sport. It, it, and, and, you know, the, the player association stuff you talk about, that's really important for a couple of reasons. But the biggest one is to really allow the players to play and let the, the players association to provide that advocacy. You know, if the players aren't happy, rather than going directly to their club or to their president or, you know, to their federation, who, who technically employs them, Mm -hmm. that, that there is actually a, an outlet to go, hey, these are some things that, that we're, we're not happy with. You know, can you provide some advocacy for us? And, you know, I think just to have that is, is really, really important and a huge step forward in, in professionalism just generally. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're, we're not like most of us are either studying, have studied, but have never gone into, you know, what is your, you know, career post sport yep. or... Yep. You know, if you were going to be a lawyer, you still have to do, you know, four or five years and that time <laughs> when yeah. you're playing, it's very part time. So, yeah. like, you actually don't have much experience in corporate world mm. um, or professional world. So, having, like, a players union or people that do have that experience to kind of fight for you. Yeah. Like, you don't really feel too dumb when you say something and you're like oh that didn't make sense or, and then they're like no we know what you're talking about yeah. and you're like oh okay cool, okay, cool. thanks <laughs> now you can say that professionally <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but it, but you know it, it is hard and for, for a lot of people it's really confronting um retiring from from your sport you know one of my good friends played a lot of um played a lot of super rugby made a mm -hmm. lot of money and then took about a four hundred and fifty thousand dollar pay cut because he had to become a sunglasses salesman because he didn't he didn't study and he didn't mm -hmm. you know so for him it was it was such a because it just it was gone like that you know it was one day he had a contract the next day he didn't and then all of a sudden he had to go and get a job so to have and and look to 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 his detriment he he didn't really utilize any of the services that were available to him but it made it you know just as confronting for him because all of a sudden he has this this lifestyle he has you know he had he had people who who depended on him and then all of that money was gone and he had to do his regular nine to five selling sunglasses yeah it honestly it's just like when you get to that point uh it's just like honestly just hearing stories like that especially i mean especially in like you know the men's game mm. um where there is so much money and so much you know, income in there that it, it can change quite quickly. Mm. Um, I mean, I've just kind of gone through a couple of friends like here and they're like the PFA here offers, you know, kind of transition and um, networking opportunities. Yeah. And, and so it's kind of nice seeing like how they're offering that to the females and, um, you know, they're, they're all kind of like, yeah, we need to kind of look at that and, you know, make a plan for, for post-career basically. Yeah. And one thing I've, I've certainly noticed working with, with female athletes is, you know, you guys really, you guys really care about your sport and you want to develop your sport and you want to be involved in, in that. But then you guys seem to, you guys really do seem to have um, a more cerebral approach to your sport. And, and maybe that's because part of it is, is forced in that, you know, not, not all leagues at the moment are fully professional, so you do have to have a job and you do have to have 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 study interests. But you know, certainly um, from where I sit, working with female rugby athletes, you know, they're they're all super interested in in you know 
being involved with causes or being involved with businesses that are, are around are around the sport. You know, even even to the point where a lot of them work as development officers for for their state bodies. You know, developing the game, mm-hmm. which I which I think is is you know. It's just so much better than than the men because the men, in my view, are just so far removed from that grassroots growth part because they've just been in high performance pathways their whole lives. Yeah. So yeah, I totally agree. I think you know, females. I mean, probably now the majority of female athletes in in all sports, it's the leagues and federations and and teams have gone from professional or semi professional into professional yep. or professional into high performance yeah so everyone's kind of been on some kind of ride yeah so they're kind of in some way appreciated what the past is and be like okay that's kind of cool like how can we develop it further mm. or you know uh giving i've gone to you know see this club and encourage these girls saying that you know there is a pathway now for you and that kind of thing so i think it's kind of like we're all gone through something like that so it helps you know, motivate us to give back to, you know, maybe the younger people or people that are just starting out being like, okay, if this is like what it grows into in five years, imagine 10 years from now. Yeah. And, and especially with all, all you guys who've been on that ride, you know, if you guys all stay involved, you know, just it, I'm excited to see the acceleration of that growth because you guys can provide the feedback. You guys have been through it. You know, yeah, this worked, this didn't. Like let's learn from those mistakes and and the things that worked and and continue to grow this thing, mm-hmm. which I you know I just think yeah I just think that's that's so cool because you know when I look at at my sport rugby part of the problem is that it's been controlled by the same people for so long and unfortunately it's just it's it's gone backwards um, in yeah, the, th- in the men's game in particular. I mean I think the good thing with the just the female athletes in general is we're all kind of like connected in a way, like, um, <laughs> and I guess most of our like social media, like we follow different sports and athletes yeah. and like, you'll see them, um, you know, at cafes in Australia or in different events. So like you kind of keep in touch with them and not just restricted to your own sport or yeah. even your own country. Um, the amount of people that I've met at overseas and in different, you know, um, leagues in America and, you know, UK and and in Europe, I'm like, you know, these are people that you kind of, if you needed anything, they'd do anything for you or you can collaborate or whatever it is to kind of like have that, you know, sense of community, female athlete community, basically. And I think social media plays such a huge role in that, in in that, you know, it it connects, it connects, it connects the world. And, and, you know, for, for me as a, as a fan, you know, it's, it's a nice way for me to be able to, feel like I'm involved in the club or, or with a with an athlete because I can see what they're up to I can see who they're engaging with you know I have an idea of of what they're about in terms of you know the causes they support and and all of that you know I, I think back to when I was a kid and we didn't have any of that these athletes were like superheroes because you just all you saw was what what happened on tv or what happened on the mm-hmm. field so so to you know and, and I guess the flow on you know to to be able to to meet someone and then keep in contact with them through Instagram or through Facebook Messenger, whatever. I think it's 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 yeah, it's really special. Yeah, I mean, I think especially athletes now have gone into what they're passionate about outside of their sport. Yeah. Um, and social media obviously is like giving them a voice for that. It's still like a little bit of a you know, um, I guess controversy when it's people think that they are just an athlete. Yep. Um, and kind of put them in the box. Yeah, but, the, the shut up know, and dribble thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, seeing like the, just the things that, you know, they're, they're being entrepreneurs and yep. releasing clothing lines, releasing books, doing movies. Yeah. Um, it's just actually really kind of exciting seeing that side of them that like they aren't just, you know, what they train and what they eat and do on, you know, TV basically. Yeah, and I, and I don't think anyone is just their sport, right? You know what? Mm-hmm. What what gives me as someone who has you know a website and and can type a few words, the right to have an opinion, but but you because you're a, you're an athlete, not. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. It's it's crazy. You get put in a box. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Just it's just a different job, basically. Yeah, and and I think you know in, in a lot of ways, athletes who do develop 
a platform and, and a big following, you know, it, it, if they if they want if they want to to speak up about something, they should because they have that platform and they can actually make an impact. It's just mm-hmm. it's just a shame that that we do have we have trolls and we have unfortunately we in the media we just have you know headline grabs people want to grab the headline yeah i mean i think that's just everything you get put in the spotlight and it's just it's just free game now um yeah i think it's important especially with you know social media and athletes it's just who you surround yourself with yeah um and and who kind of like supports you uh i think especially as you grow up when you don't even hit that social media bang or whatever it is, the people that support you through that growth, I think mm. that's, you know, the ones that ultimately are the ones that you listen to. Yeah, I, I heard this really funny story the other day. Um, Fat Joe, the, the rapper, do you know Fat Joe? Oh, yeah. yeah so, <laughs> that's a throwback. <laughs> so oh, he, wow. Yeah, so he said that he had he had about 11 or 12 guys that, um, it, might have been, it might have been more, it might have, you know, an entourage of, 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 say it's 20. And then one day... He kind of just got sick of it, so he walked in and said, "Guys, there's nothing left. I'm I'm broke. I'm done." Mm-hmm. And four guys stuck with him and said, "Well, if you're broke, we're broke. Like we'll we'll get through it." So he said, "You know, those are the guys who are still in my entourage." Yeah, yeah. And he said, funnily yeah. enough, those were the guys who were there at the start, who were there when I blew up, and were there when I was broke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, it, it's honestly like that. It's funny, like when I went back home um, for Christmas and saw um, like my friends from school that were there, like before I even made Matildas. Yeah. Um, and the ones that oh, my, it's my sixteenth. I'm like, oh, sorry, <laughs> I'm going to like um, ACT training. Um, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, and literally they don't care. Like they're just yeah. like, hey, what are you doing? Oh, like oh, where'd you travel to? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. So this is this is my baby and like, you know, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. this is cool. I don't like, I don't want to talk about football at all. I'm yeah. having so much fun. <laughs> yeah. You're still just Lydia from school. Yeah. Basically, basically <laughs> that's all it is. Lydia from school that lived, you know, over the road from, from where we were, yeah. that lunchtimes we used to go sneak to my house and have, um, gosh, you remember, I think it were like Calippos or like two yeah. bars or yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And summer yeah. we used to sneak over and go have it. So <laughs> Don't tell my teachers that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, so, you know, I know you, you mentioned earlier that you grew up or you, or you moved from Adelaide. You you grew up in Kalgoorlie, right? Yeah, Kalgoorlie. Yeah. So how, how did you end up in Canberra? Because that seems like just, you know, <laughs> from one extreme to the other almost. <laughs> I literally, like, yeah, Kalgoorlie of red dirt and just, like, walking around barefoot <laughs> yeah. and that like 40 degrees um, to then Canberra. My mum actually got a job um, working at a Bible college over there um, in Warramanga. And so her and my dad, they went over, gosh, a couple months before to pick out houses. Um, And so, yeah, they ended up finding a really great house um, in Monash and then basically was the big move and they told me that everything was set and then they told me and I think we're moving a month later and I locked myself in my room told them I hated them <laughs> didn't want to go I'm like what are you doing why like I have to go to Canberra yeah. this is like all I've known in like the bush <laughs> and now I'm going to like another bush that is like not red dirt is cold and <laughs> I don't know anybody <laughs> well and, and, so, now, and now look at you living in London oh I know you know <laughs> Traveling. Yeah, literally. Now, now Canberra's too small for me, and then <laughs> I have to go to London. <laughs> but you know, I think that's that's the unique thing about you know what you do do for a living, but also playing in 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 um, in London and and getting an opportunity to play in the Champions League. Like, I imagine you've seen some unbelievable cities and and unbelievable places just purely because you're traveling there to play. Oh yeah, just. You just and you fly in and out like there's just you're in and out. You see something and then the next day you you go on. Um, yeah. But you know just to travel like you, know, you travel to Prague, you travel to Moscow. Yeah. Um, you go to to Wolfsburg, um, and then you're back and you're playing you know up in Manchester the yeah. next day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, and then like let alone you know flying around if it's like a World Cup or anything like that. Mm. You travel to all these amazing cities and um, your families are there and, yeah. you know, you kind of get to experience those big moments as well. Mm. Um, 
so it's yeah, it's crazy. Like I never thought I'd like leave Kalgoorlie, leave Canberra, and then let alone here I am. Yeah, you know, still playing and, and traveling around the world. With a, I imagine a huge frequent flyer point number there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, remember Qantas has <laughs> demolished everything well, after true. that two year break of no flying. So <laughs> <laughs> very true. I was not happy. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when um when I was traveling around a lot and I got. Uh, I think I got um, gold or whatever, so I got the you know the the Qantas Lounge, the free pass of the Qantas Lounge. Oh yeah, Lounge. perfect. That's I thought the best I was one. a bowler. <laughs> I was, that was the best. Honestly, yeah. you're like, yeah, travel. <laughs> I was like, do more trips to like Sydney to Canberra, yeah. um, and then like then back to Sydney to go to Perth, and then do that. I'm I'm happy with that. It's fine. <laughs> but then I I got home uh, and I told my dad, and he was like, oh yeah, that's cute, and he dropped his like platinum platinum card down on the, <laughs> on the table. All right. That, yeah. That's when you know. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. All right, Dad. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, dear. So I guess we, we haven't really talked talked enough about Arsenal yet and, you know, how you guys are tracking. Like, obviously tracking really well, sitting sitting at the top there. Chelsea mm-hmm. sort of nipping at your heels. But, you know, what you – know, what do you think is going to be key moving forward to, to continue to, to build on what you're doing and, and maintain that spot? I mean, it's, I think it's always hard when you get near the end of a season yep. um, where especially our team is quite international. Yep. So, you know, all these, I think, you know, there was FIFA, a FIFA window um, and we didn't have anything. So there's literally five of us training yep. out of a squad of 23. <laughs> no so, ideal. You know, there's 18, 16, 18 people not there. Yeah. Um, so you have that when it's meant to be time off or a break or ease into something. And then you come back and you have to ramp it back up to play the league. Yeah. So I think as it kind of does that and it goes further and further without, you know, a mid-season break or um, the end of the year, it there is injuries that, you know, yeah. pop up and tired, fatigued, drained, and it's just about how good can you manage that. And mm. I think that's always, like, the difficulty in all teams, basically, mm. as it goes on. Even in tournaments, you know, like, as you get onto the into the tournament, how do you manage fatigue and, and tiredness and that kind of thing. So right now we're doing well. Um, we've done really well with kind of managing that and people being honest um, yep. with how you're feeling. Yep. And... Yep. Yeah, that that's actually the hardest thing to yeah. actually say. I need a break today yep. and not feel like you're letting anyone down. Yeah, and and I, I see that. I see that at all levels. Um, mm-hmm. Just so, some days, some days you're not feeling it, and, and it could be for a number of reasons, or you're carrying an injury, or or whatever. And and you're right. It is really hard to just say, "Hey, coach, I just need I just need today off. Like I'm happy. Yeah, you know, I'm happy to do something. I'm happy to get on the bike or whatever. But I I just can't." I can't do it today. And I think, you know, I, I, and I think some of that, some of that comes down to the environment too, the environment that the, that the club creates and, and the coach creates. Cause I think sometimes, especially when you're a younger athlete, it's more of fear of the coach rather than thinking you're going to mm-hmm. let the team down. Yeah. Um, but it is hard. It's really, and it's really hard to look at yourself and go, you know, I'm injured or I'm, I'm sore or I'm just cooked. And mm-hmm. it's really hard not to just push through because that's just kind oh, of yeah. what we've been conditioned to do. Yeah. And you, I mean, especially, I guess you see it a lot in like NFL, yeah. um, you know, the amount of like people that play on with concussions or, you know, a broken this or, you know, I got winded or whatever it is, bruised ribs or whatever. And the next week they're back playing yep. just because they need to or, yep you know, they actually can't say no because in fear of losing, you know, spots or salaries or or whatever it is. Mm. So it's, it's very kind of, yeah, that's probably the hardest thing in sport is like actually knowing when you need the break or when you need to take responsibility of your own life and kind of like health in in every way. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, I know from personal experience, you know, when I was coming through concussions, where it was almost like a dirty word. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. I just have a, I'm just dehydrated. Yeah, yeah I'm just happened. tired. Yeah, just didn't sleep good last night. <laughs> and and I definitely, I definitely reflecting on my career, you don't kind of notice at the time, but I definitely had some bad concussions that went 
undiagnosed and I definitely mm-hmm. had some some little ones as well and you know I'd get into you know get usually sort of come in and do recovery on Sunday and then you'd have a lift on Monday and then into training Tuesday and it'd be like you know Thursday afternoon before I started feeling half normal again and then you know straight mm-hmm. back into a game so yeah in a, in a I'm a little bit concerned about what that means for me down the track <laughs> but yeah <laughs> but um you know, I, I I definitely appreciate now and I, I'm really happy to see now that there is some people are taking taking concussions seriously and coaches now are being held to account and medical staff are now being held to account, particularly for players who are who are either look concussed or suspected of concussion. You know, even to the point in rugby now where referees have discretion to send someone off if they think they're concussed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think even now with football, like as soon as someone knocks heads, the ref has has to stop the game. Yeah. And if on both sides, if if the ref doesn't actually stop, like you see players going nuts just yeah. because it's like you actually have to stop yeah. the game. So I think we had that um, recently in in Asian Cup or something like that, and we we're just like, you have to stop the game. Yeah. And it's nice to see like all sports are now taking it a lot more seriously. Yeah, because it it has. It has consequences down the track. It's not necessarily what mm-hmm. happens. You know, pe- people do get really bad symptoms, you know, nausea, can't sleep, vomiting, all of that. But it's it's really the consequences that happen, you know, in your in your 40s and 50s and 60s, you know, when your brain really starts to deteriorate. That And, and to, as you say, to see referees, you know, sports federations, clubs, everyone get on the same page and really take it seriously is really pleasing. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, yeah, that's that's the most exciting thing. At least that stuff is starting to become more frequent. Yeah, and and I I, I assume it it you know, I'm not in a high performance environment as a player anymore, but I, I assume it translates down you know to what you were talking about to feeling like you can have that conversation with your trainer or with your with your coach to say I'm not feeling it today. I'm not hundred percent. Let's do something else or let's have a rest day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah definitely i think even into that is you know going into like mental health and everything mm. it's just getting it's starting to get way more traction in that it is okay to kind of like have a break as well so i yeah, mean well, it's almost for the bet like yeah it's, it's simone biles and totally. osaka yeah and you know throw ash Barty. you know we talked about her earlier but mm-hmm. throw, throw her into throw her in there as well and you know i see now lots of teams are working with you know mental performance coaches or mental mental skills mm-hmm. coaches which I think is really, really exciting because it's you know I've I've had had a couple of discussions with one here in in Canberra and and he says you know the the stuff we talk about is not it's not groundbreaking it's just understanding how the brain processes stress and anxiety and how you can utilize that in a positive way. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, that sounds really simple. It's, interest- <laughs> it's so interesting. Yeah. Like it's just yeah, to completely like changes the game in terms of athletes if you can you know if you're doing physical stuff Mm. um and then you start adding mental stuff to it like Mm. it can take you to another level yeah and just understanding a little bit about the way your brain works because you know especially as a young athlete you're still kind of trying to figure out who you are as a person but also who you are as an athlete and how you fit into the to the team environment and, and into the world more broadly so if you can give these young guys and and young girls some some skills to understand the way that their brains work, you know, you're, you're setting them up for, for success, not just in their sport, but in, in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, totally. That's, that's, that's exciting too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look, I, I, I'm conscious, you know, 50 minutes. So, um, and, and I guess this isn't going to be the last time we're going to catch up. So Lydia's, mm-hmm. Lydia's agreed to become a, semi-regular contributor and, and catch up sort of three or four times over the next next few months. So I think that's a that's a good spot to leave it and I'll, I'll let you get off to bed. It's probably getting late. Oh, yeah. No, 8.40, it's getting, it's getting into nana time now. <laughs> to be honest, everyone's like, what time do you go to bed? And now it's like literally we, I think we have um in a national team, we're like the <laughs> call it the grandmas. We're like nine o'clock is when we start to wind down. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, I, I'm the same, you know, I've got a seven-month-year-old, seven-month-year-old, seven-month-old boy, <laughs> <laughs> and he's in bed, you know, 7, 7.30, depending on how mm-hmm. his naps go during the day. And honestly, by the time he puts the, he goes to bed, I'm like, I'm, 
I'm cooked. <laughs> I'm right time, there with I'm it. Time for bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's look. That's great things to look forward to. I guess it just kind of like goes earlier and earlier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So look, thank you, thank you so much, Lydia. I I really enjoyed this. Um, and oh, I'm re- thank you. No, I loved it too. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to to yeah some more conversations and and delving more deeply into into some of the st- stuff we touched on. So thanks again. Perfect. Thank you so much. All right, there you have it. Thank you so much again, Lydia. Uh, if you get an opportunity, go out and buy one of Lydia's books. Uh, you can find them online. She's got some links on her social profile. She, you know, we didn't talk about it there, but she's she's a children's book author. So if you've got kids, uh, definitely give that a look. Give her a follow. Give her a shout out. And before we go, please make sure you. Get onto the cover.com.au, subscribe to the newsletter, just bookmark the website. I'm telling you, there's going to be some really interesting stuff. Subscribe to this podcast because Lydia, you know, she's going to feature three or four times, but there are some really interesting people coming up, uh, some really fascinating conversations that I enjoyed. I enjoyed participating in, but but hopefully you guys enjoy listening to as a few different perspectives. Certainly, you know, it's not just a sports podcast. I'd like to reiterate that sport and rugby is certainly the predominant theme and something that I'll call back to all the time. But, you know, we're going to have some entrepreneurs on here. We're going to have some entrepreneurs who are involved in sport. We're going to have some rappers. We're going to have some artists and producers. So I encourage you, if you like sports, if you like business, if you like pop culture, Everyone likes pop culture, right? Yeah. (laughs) If you like pop culture, just subscribe because I feel like 2022 is going to be a good year for our content, for this podcast, hopefully for Super Rugby. I think, you know, looking at round one was a really good start. I think, uh, yeah, I think we can build on that and and hopefully create a sustainable long-term professional product in, in this country. So... I'm not going to go on another rant about Guido Law or any of that. I copped a bit of shit about that, so we'll leave that for now. But do yourselves a favour. Subscribe to this. Subscribe to the Daily Dribble podcast. Subscribe to the cover.com.au newsletter. And thank me later. All right. That is it for this edition of the Cover, Pod, of the cover Podcast Network's Give him Liam podcast. That was a mouthful. I apologize. And make sure you check out some of the offers on our website too. The Daily Dribble guys have got an agreement with Manscaped. So if you head to Manscaped, if you head to their website and use the the code Dribble20, uh, you'll get 20% off your next purchase from Manscaped. You'll also notice on the website... We have some links to Riverside. So if you are listening to me and you think, you know what, I could do what Liam does. I could do it better. Hit that link. Download Riverside. Have a look at it. You actually don't need to download it, but hit that link. Purchase Riverside because it is a one-stop shop for remote broadcasting, remote podcasting, live streaming, whatever. It is a brilliant platform. So hit that link. Because that will help fund the cover.com.au. Yeah. If you if you want to start your podcast, hit that link. Because we get a little we get a little kickback from that link. I don't know how much it is, but it's 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 something. So do that. And that's it for this week. I look forward to hearing from some of you. Hopefully we'll get to do a mailbag episode after a few weeks. And That'll be fun, but I look forward to hearing from you all in the week prior to this, and I think you're going to like next week's guest too.